This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we always do. And how are you doing, Rich, after your guy, Rashawn Holmes, gets MVP chance at the Golden One Center? That is my guy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, other it's also other people's guy. I think that Rashawn has been pretty hyped up. Um, Tim Maxwell liked him. I don't know if we've never discussed Aaron Bruski. We should try to see if he's available to come on the show sometime. But Aaron Bruski is like in love with this man and has been hyping him for a long time. I know Brad from Sacktown Royalty said he may not be a prophet, but also could potentially not not be a profit because Bruski was championing <laughs> this guy forever. But yeah, no, I've been high on Rashawn Holmes. Um, I said in our last episode, I thought he was one of the few bright spots of this team. And yeah, he proved all of us right. Um, you're, but you've been pretty high on Holmes as well, right? I have. You know, there's something, there's something about hustle guys. The energy is infectious. And we mentioned that he runs the floor uh, that fits what this Kings team should do um, better than Deadman in that way. And especially with Bagley being out, you don't quite need the spacing of Deadman there. But uh, yeah, Holmes checked in game four against Denver with nine minutes and really turned the tide. But maybe we can start with Deadman getting those two personal fouls that led to Holmes getting in. What did you think of those two early ones that he picked up? I mean, you know. You know, that it happens. I, I, I'm not – I don't think they were particularly terrible calls. I, you know, I don't think they were amazing calls. I, I don't think that what Deadman needs to be – you know, listen, guys get two fouls early sometimes, and I think that Deadman had a really, really, really short leash. So um, that was kind of a excuse to get the, the guy that's been playing in better form out there. Yeah, which is fair enough. Um, I guess more so thinking that it really has been a trend recently that Deadman is getting himself in some foul trouble with uh, not quite being in the right positions on defense. I thought that that second one was a little tic-tac-y, but he, he wasn't in front of the guy. So w- before Holmes checked in at the nine-minute mark, the Kings were down 3-10. to 10. And Holmes checks in, and the Kings proceed to go on a 25-11 to 11 run to finish out that quarter. Holmes had 11 points himself, 5 of 5 from the field, 3 rebounds. What did Holmes do that changed the tide of that game? You know, sometimes just everything is falling for a guy, and you see it on those push shots. Um, someone was out there on Twitter saying this is – the new baby hook from Costa Cufas. <laughs> Those uh, were money. Yeah, I mean, Holmes just put up a couple like little push shots and they dropped. Um, you know, that's when he couldn't get all the way to the bucket. Uh, when he was getting to the bucket, boy, was he throwing it down. Um, he had a block in there as well. I don't uh, think you included in that statistic, but he was, I mean, listen, he was bringing the energy on defense. He had another block later on. He's doing everything that you would want from the center position. He is that role man. We've talked about it. His, um, you know, his his pick and roll efficiency as a role man is really high, uh, well into the 80s last season. But yeah, I mean, he was kind of doing his best Montrez Harrell impression out there. 
Yeah, Jokic got two fouls early along with Jamal Murray, but one of those Jokic ones was he just couldn't keep up with uh, with Holmes rolling and just gave him a foul there to present to prevent an easy bucket. I thought Holmes did a great job of tiring out Jokic, which maybe his one critique is that he's not in the best of shape. Um, yeah, and the defense. I mean, the offense, like you mentioned, of Holmes being the role man worked amazingly, and I think that's where they were able to take advantage of Jokic, that he is a better defender than, I don't think he's quite a liability, but if you involve him in a pick and roll and aggressively tack him with the ball handler, mainly Fox, that he is a little slow-footed in that regard, and the Kings were able to take advantage of that, and then uh, the help man would come in from the weak side. Fox was making nice dishes. So I thought that they did a really good job of attacking Jokic with a Fox and uh, and Holmes pick and roll there. But the defensive end, he was just as impressive. Like, staying in front of guys. And interestingly, I actually thought, and I know Luke Walton commented on this after, but he wasn't hitting shots, but I thought he did a great job of chasing Gary Harris. Sure, yeah, but before we get on to, to Buddy, let's talk a little bit more about Holmes because he was the main event here. Um, you know, you're asking what did he do right, and I think that, you know, it's a, it's a cliche. It's a pretty bad cliche, but sometimes, you know, I mean, this is what the deal with cliches are is sometimes they're just, they're true. They're, they're built in reality, and what the difference between him and Holmes was – just came down to that Holmes wanted it more. And I, I, I feel so hacky saying that, but we've talked about body language and uh, mentality on this, te- on this team of uh, the first three games. And Deadman looks like he's fucking bummed out to be on the court. And Rashawn Holmes looks like he's fucking stoked. And he comes in and he feeds off the energy of the crowd. And it becomes this cyclical thing to the point where the, the, the crowd's cheering uh, shouting, chanting MVP. He finished, by the way, we might as well get his line out there. 24 points, 13 boards, two blocks. And to be fair to Deadman here, uh, Holmes did have five fouls, and Holmes is, is fouling more than Deadman. So, you know, you mentioned that, that Deadman is a little bit foul prone, but Holmes has been a little bit more foul prone so far. Yeah, I do think that sometimes he doesn't have the best positioning, but this was a career night for Rashawn Holmes. He was one point shy of his career point total, uh, point high and one rebound short of his rebound high out of all his years in the league. Um, yeah, he, he played an absolutely amazing game. And in the energy when he checked in, when Rashawn Holmes was on the floor, the Kings shot 48% from the field and 40% from three. And when he was off the floor, mainly Deadman being in rather than Holmes, there were some B elites and minutes at the five as well. With no Holmes on the floor, the Kings shot 24% from the field and 10% from three. Yeah, I heard you loud and clear, but I want you to say it again for the people in the back. 48% from the field and 40 from three with Holmes in the game. With Holmes out, 24% from the field and 10% from three. And you can ask, like, Holmes doesn't have a, a three-point shot. How's he affecting the three-point shot? The hard rolls to the basket and the guy on the weak side or whoever they have tagging Holmes, Fox was hitting those guys. He was getting three-point shooters open with his gravity. He was a major impact on the offensive end. Yeah, and in terms of net rating, the differential between Holmes and Deadman is about 68 points per 100 possessions. So, yeah, um, safe to say one of these players is playing well, one is not. I'm not ready to, like, throw the book at this and say that Holmes is definitively a better player than Deadman, and he always will be. But we need to talk about the potential for him to start. I know this is the Rashawn Holmes show. But uh, uh, listen, this young man has earned it. Uh, I put a poll out there on Twitter right as the game was ending. Who do you want to start at center for the Kings on Wednesday night? I've had a huge amount of people. You knew what you were doing. Of course I did. But (laughs) listen, this isn't trying to be a scientific experiment. I, I saw what happened. I saw an entire arena of people screaming, MVP at Rashawn Holmes when he's at the free throw line, 89% of the 
1,771 voters want Rashawn Holmes to start Wednesday against Charlotte. What are your thoughts on that? I was one of those voters for Rashawn Holmes. And, you know, the more I pondered it a bit, I almost questioned what the second unit would be with Deadman in it. If, if there is not one of Bogey or Fox with Bogdanovich, because I feel like Bogdanovich really needs Holmes as that second guy for the offense in that secondary unit. And that's my only hesitation of moving Holmes to the starting lineup, because I do think that uh, he does help with the pace of that team. And yeah, that being said, I still think I would, I would have him starting and Deadman can help with spacing um, in that second unit because my argument there, I guess, is just saying that Deadman is useless in either place. And I don't think that uh, will forever be the case. I think right now he's playing terrible, like you said. But yeah, getting, I think that it would get the pace up. It would spread the energy. You'd have another energy guy on the bench in Corey Joseph. I think I'm going with home starting here. In a weird way, I think it's a more modern offense to have Bielitsa and Holmes in on the starting unit. Because, you know, when we say modern, I, I know for myself sometimes I think, oh, that just means everybody shoots and shoots a lot, right? But I think that, you know, the NBA, this is something that Luke Walton has said, he feels that it's a pick and roll league. So you've got your one big man that can shoot. It's a definitely a stretch four league. Like we know that. So Beelitz is there doing that. Then you've got your roll man, you're rolling big right there. That's a pretty damn modern offense. I, I, I think it makes maybe a little more sense than having just two stretch options there. Yeah. And, and I think that's fair. And uh, you know, so does that mean you want home starting when it comes Charlotte? Yes, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't even, for me, the question is if he starts against Charlotte tonight, when you're hearing this, that will be, the game will be tonight, Wednesday night. I, so th- this isn't about who starts long-term, but who starts tonight, right. it absolutely has to be Holmes. And half of that is Holmes. The other half is that Deadman has been playing so poorly that you need to bench him. Like you just, you need to bench him, right? Yeah, it, it's insane. Like I heard great character things from people like Chris Kirshner when Deadman was in Atlanta. Um, and yeah, it's not like getting accustomed to a new system type mistakes. I mean, we mentioned it last time. There were plays in the Utah game where a guy was standing stationary and Holmes could not make a pass to him while Holmes was barely moving outside of the three-point line. Like it is it is terrible mistakes that shouldn't be happening. And I don't expect Deadman to keep it up. Like there's a reason that he was one of, if not the number one target for that I had for the Kings filling this center spot. But right now, Holmes is is the difference maker on this team. Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. The one thing that the King, that Holmes did not, and he did have 13 rebounds, like we mentioned, but the Kings, even with Holmes on the floor, did not do a good job of rebounding the ball, mainly on the offensive glass. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think that Rashawn Holmes struggles on the defensive glass too. I, I, I mean, we've said it so many times, and, and player comps are – generally not that useful because a player is so many things and no two players are that alike. But, you know, Montrezl Harrell is not known for his defensive rebounding, and I think that it's a totally fine comp. Now, right. if, if we were the Clippers, if the Kings were the Clippers, and you've got, 
you know, superstars coming out of your elbows here and there, go ahead and put, go ahead and keep Rashawn Holmes on the bench and you can just like anybody. But at the same time, you know, they're going to bench Zubats or they're going to, you know, they're going to, they'll bench Jermichael Green. They'll, play, they'll bench somebody if they just are playing as badly as Deadman. A- anyone would be. And I don't think it's a character thing. You know, obviously that's not the case. The, the guy's just in like a major league slump. And yeah, it's time to shake it up. Thankfully, uh, Luke Walton said in the press conference after the game that he is open to that. He says he doesn't think it matters who starts. Uh, he said, uh, quote, the minutes are going to where the energy is coming from. So, you know, we know that Rashawn Holmes is going to get more minutes than Dwayne Dedman for right now. Whether they're starting minutes, you know, I don't really think it's it matters that much. I think there's a little bit of something to be said for you know, hey, let's bring this guy off the bench when the other team is a little bit slow. They've been playing for a minute. They're a little bit winded. Rashawn's been able to see the, the play for a few minutes and maybe break down a few things or he's got a couple ideas in mind on how he's going to take advantage of the looks that are out there. Uh, bringing the big energy guy off the bench, fine. Like, that's totally fine, too. I'm not, like, going to be that upset about it if, if he does continue to come off the bench. But, I mean – he has earned a starting role for a game and equally Deadman has, has earned a bench role for a game. So really I'm fine with whatever here. Yeah, I definitely agree there. I'd like to see Holmes has definitely earned it. And like we're saying, it's not necessarily a permanent thing. Um, and to return to the rebounding thing really quick, because I think that was a big struggle for the Kings in this. I did mean their defensive rebounding, not their offensive, but the offensive for Denver. They had a 43.3% offensive rebounding percentage. as absolutely absurd. And a lot of it was not on Holmes. Um, it was more so when Holmes was forced out of the paint or involved in a pick and roll that the other players on the wings, like uh, Buddy Heald and, and uh, Harrison Barnes were not collapsing in. And there was really a lack of a lack of boxing out. But the offensive rebounding for the Nuggets was absurd and really did a number of keeping them in this game. And we heard Luke Walton before this Denver game say that the pace was going to be emphasized. And we all had this feeling that it was going to be back or we would hope to see it back. And for the first time, you could hear in the broadcast, I would assume it was coaching coming from the sidelines, yelling, go, go, run, run when they were getting the ball. And it felt like the pace was better in this one, right, Rich? Yeah, the pace was better. Um, but Derry confirmed that that Luke Walton has not been stressing pace. We've talked about this a lot. We've, we feel like we've seen it. Um, he, I'll say that Walton has kind of gone back and forth on this a little bit where he said that he – was stressing pace um, and then he kind of walked it back a little bit just saying that you know maybe he hadn't stressed it enough that that the mandate to play fast was there but he wasn't communicating it well enough yeah I mean sure like okay that's fine um, I I personally think that Walton was focusing on other things maybe I'm wrong about that that is speculation I'm not reporting that I'm piecing together what I have heard from him um, and seen in videos, but mostly I'm, I'm piecing this together from what I see on the floor. So yeah, definitely nice to see the pace up and not to be like too snarky about this, but like, um, yeah, it's, it's probably a good idea because you've got Darren Fox as your point guard and Buddy Heald as your shooting guard. Yeah, it makes sense to me. And uh Maybe we can touch on on Fox and what you've what you saw of him that game. He did a great job of shooting from three. You know, he was uh, he was three and nine from the field, but he had a lot of attempts. Anytime that Jamal Murray or anyone guarding him was going under the screens, he really seemed confident in throwing those up. He hit a couple in a row from the right slot. Um, what did you think of of Fox's game before we get into some of the other more uh, impactful performances? Yeah, two things on Fox here. One, I want to talk about the three-point shooting, but first I want to get to the free-throw shooting. Um, He started the game out with a quick trip to the line and missed two free throws. Yeah, That is not great. 
He he was three of six on the night. This is the number one thing keeping him from being a true superstar in my mind. It's if he was shooting like eighty five percent, ninety percent, ninety five percent, like a lot of the best point guards in the league. Um, I mean, this guy is unstoppable because he can really he can get to the line with ease when he wants to. He can get to the line like that's he's fast enough and destructive enough that he could really get to the line whenever he wants. And the question is, like, do you really want to get to the line that much when, A, you're going to put your body in the line a little bit, and, B, you're going to shoot, like, 60%? Come on, man. Um, not trying to call him out there, but uh, it is – this has been – you know, that comes from a place of just – you know, there's a, there's a bit of frustration boiling over from anyone in Sacramento right now because – the free throws have been a thing for so long for this team. You just want to see him go in. Like, come on, let's get the let's get that let's get those free throws down. Also, this team only took 16 free throw attempts. Like, that's not great. Uh, this team a couple of years ago was historic for getting to the free throw line at the worst rate in the history of the NBA. Um, it got a little better last year. I think it's getting a little bit better this year as well. In general, I think it will continue to get better, but got to see those free throws go down. It, it really hurts when something so fundamental is what's holding a team or a player back. But let's move on to something good here. The three-point shot is really nice, I think. You know, three from nine here, or three of nine here for Fox from three. Not an amazing percentage, but it's the volume, and the volume really means a lot to me. Let's point out here that De'Aaron Fox in college – shot 25% from the three-point line with virtually no volume, less than two attempts per game. As a rookie, he shot about two attempts per game, a little bit over that, and only hit 30% of those shots. That, you know, this is, that's not the type of shooting that makes you think that a guy is going to really be able to compete, going to have that as a tool as an NBA player. His sophomore year breaks out 37%, but still only three attempts per game. This year, up to a healthy 4.5 attempts per game and hitting them at a 39% clip. This to me tell this to me spells real, true improvement as a shooter. Yeah, I agree, and I definitely see it. Like I mentioned earlier, when players go under the screens guarding him, like he is very confident in pulling that shot. And yeah, in his rookie year, he shot 37 effective field goal percentage when. Players went under guarding him, and last year it was 58.7 adjusted field goal percentage when, uh, when players guarding him went under screens. Uh, he clearly is trying to no longer allow that to happen, and then that will allow him to get to the free throw line even more, draw in more defensive attention. I think he does a good job of decision-making and passing. I know he had said that he was emphasizing that over the off season and there was one play uh, specifically from last night where he had he had someone fairly open on the wing um, but then did go to the corner which was almost like a next level read assuming that the defender would go to the wing and it actually was tipped and went out but little things like that where he's showing off you can tell that he has that basketball IQ um, but yeah like you mentioned that those free throws need to go in he's getting to the line a lot more this year and there's a chance that he could get discouraged from doing so when he knows he's not knocking them down. And also, um, a same issue that we had seen with him last year is that the mid-range still looks a little bit shaky. Yeah, and I think that's understandable. I think a lot of those shots come under duress where the team just has nothing going. So Darren feels like he's just got to get a bucket, like he just needs to get one. So he'll kind of charge down the court start his drive and then he'll just think, listen, I, you know, he's putting the team on his back there. And I mean, you know, dare I say Mamba mentality. We know this guy. How dare you? <laughs> What's wrong with you? We know he trained with Kobe. Um, I think sometimes, you know, when the team's really struggling, he's like, I'm just going to pull up from mid range and hit this shot and get this team going. I don't hate it. I, it's not an ideal way to play basketball right now in this league, but I don't hate I don't blame him for like this team has been so putrid for him to for him to pull up and and try to get something going. I don't hate it. I don't want to see it 
in a healthy offense. It's not a sign of a healthy offense, but he's going to get that shot to fall sometimes. When that three-pointer continues to fall, it's going to open up more spacing. Like you said, guys are going to have to go over screens to chase him. That's going to open up more spacing. That's going to create more uh, good looks for the rest of the team. I, Yeah, I, this has only further solidified my desire to see Fox and Holmes pick and roll. Uh, to start the game yes. against Charlotte. You know who couldn't buy a bucket, though? Mr. Buddy Buckets. Not great. No. But, but I, I, it doesn't feel like it means anything. Not at all. Buddy's going to end up hitting these shots. This is pretty much on par with his worst scoring performance from last year. Um, and I thought he got decent looks. You know, you could look back at them. Some of them were contested. Um, I they the Nuggets do a good job with their perimeter defense. Gary Harris is a very good defender who had just shut down Devin Booker a couple nights before. Um, but Buddy is a tough shot maker, and a, there was also a couple where you know he was wide open in a corner for one, and he couldn't hit it. And then I think at some points he tried to do maybe a little bit too much, but the shot simply wasn't falling. But like you said, I don't think this is necessarily going to be a trend. Um, a guy that also wasn't hitting his shots that I worry about a little bit more is Bogdan Bogdanovich. And I think that he really starts to force and put his head down after a couple of his mistakes. Yeah, I actually thought he was cooking early on. I think he hit his first two shots, and those were the only two he hit all game. Yeah, he looked really smooth. He had like a really nice step back, very Luka-esque. And um, yeah, and then what is he, wrong it, with you today? What do you, Kobe what? Bryant and Luka Doncic on the Kings podcast? Well, I'm not allowed, not allowed to say the say the no. word Luka. No, no. Okay, uh, <laughs> fair enough. I listen. If these guys had had their standard game, Bogey and Buddy, this would have been a win. So, um, and by the way, we. Didn't even say it up front. We assume everyone listening knows, but we got to get better at this. Uh, the final score was 101 to the Denver Nuggets, 94 to the Kings. Uh, 0-4 now on the season, but you already know that. Uh, but would you agree that if these guys had their normal night, this is a win? I would. Um, yeah, I, I think so. It, it was a very promising game. It was easily the best one we'd seen from them. They still, The Kings did still have their third quarter issues. Um, only scoring 17 points, which I believe is they've gotten outscored by at least 10 points in every single third quarter. Denver came out and had 30, but there were only three turnovers. So the turnovers weren't quite the issue. It was more so of the ball movement stopped and the defensive intensity wasn't there in the same way. Like they weren't fighting through screens as much as I thought they did a really good job in the first half. They just don't look quite ready to play uh, coming out in the third quarter at times. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our, we, we got a special guest for you guys. Uh, Lance, Wood is, Lance Woods is going to be on to explain what's going wrong in the third quarter of these games in just a bit. We recorded with him before this recording, but yeah, um, it's not great. And um, But, you know, aside from that, Considering that Denver is a very good team and this game was winnable and was competitive down towards the end, I mean, you would say massive progress, right? Agreed. Yeah, definitely. And uh, do we even need to say the Pulse performer of this game? Which, Um, by the way, we totally forgot to do for the last two games, which is understandable because I don't even think we wanted to talk about those terrible games. Yeah, no, those those don't uh, deserve any, yeah any nobody anybody. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, let's just rename this award the the Rashawn Holmes Post Performer of the Game, <laughs> and and I think it goes to the Rashawn Holmes Post Performer of the Game goes to Rashawn Holmes. I mean, look at that. But fair, fair enough. And aside, I want to give I want to give an honorable mention to Bielitsa. I was just going to say he played an amazing game. Four or six from three, three blocks. From Belly. Yeah. You gotta like that. Um, But yeah, I mean, aside from that, we got to shout out Belly. He's such a good option. Like, 
if if Billy weren't on this team, you know, listen, a lot of people out there, <laughs> Maxwell, are have been trying to cook him up into fake trades for a long time. If this team had traded Billy, this season would be fully over after Bagley went down. Like there would just be nothing going on for this team. He is so crucial in that four spot with Bagley out. But, um, yeah, I mean, other than that, did you have any final thoughts before we bring on our special guest? Professor Big Shots, by the way. we got to use that nickname a little bit more often. Um, I, like, I, I like what I see from Corey Joseph. I think he's very vocal out there, and he's a hustle guy. Uh, clearly, I think he's a smart defender. And at one point, uh, Bielitsa actually wasn't moving the ball side to side, and Corey Joseph was kind of uh, – communicating with him, telling him to keep the ball moving. And I think he's a good leader out there. It'd be interesting to me to see him get a few more minutes, uh, maybe next to Fox uh, with Buddy sitting, and then Buddy can sort of run with that second unit with Bogey a little bit there. Um, Yeah, I'd like to see maybe a little bit more Joseph minutes if you can work it in. Um, But that's, that's most of what I have here. Yeah, I agreed. I like the Joseph minutes to be sure. Um, Ariza had a weirdly good game. I mean, I'm not going to say weirdly. He he did. He hit his first three threes, I believe. He was due for a good game, and he had it. Um, I am troubled that he's come off the bench before Bogey most nights, but um, Bogey's he's not the king. Well. He's the king of miscommunicating or just, like, not wanting to switch or, like, switching when it's convenient to him. Right, and I'll say as much uh, shit as I like to give Tim Maxwell, Sacktown Baby Giraffe, he called a long time ago, almost like called this not set in stone yet, but he said a long time ago that Trevor Ariza is the most likely Kings player to be turned upon by the fan base this season. Yeah, to be fair, I think I see I, it. And yeah, to be fair, I, I see the scapegoat potential. Right. That and the uh Holmes becoming the most popular player, I think might have been two of the easiest calls, to be fair. Yeah, no, I, yeah. That, but credit, fair. but I, credit where credit's to do, you know. No, I, I mean I respect that. I was trying to I I I I I believe in these guys. Like, I'm gonna give every every guy the benefit of the doubt. I, especially a guy that like, this team just doesn't have vets. Like, Corey Joseph is an eight-year vet, um, still in his 20s, but he he feels like an old man on this team. But, like, Ariza is the vet on this team. So, I'm trying to, I was trying to give a little bit of a little bit of good faith there, and I think it's still possible that it could work out. But um, I, I don't want him to be the sixth man of this team that feels no. not great. Yeah, definitely not. And, you know, last thing here, is there a panic meter? I'm going to cut my panic meter in half. I'm going to go from I'm going to go from 6 to 3. Where are you at? Yeah, um it's mainly going to be on the shoulders of Deadman just not being a capable NBA player for these first four games. But I'll go down to a 2. Uh this was a lot of promise uh with the Kings and there were not quite the same trends of turning it over. They had a lot of effort and they showed that they that they realize they are capable and what needs to change. So I'm a lot more confident and I'm ready to get this, this first win of the season against Charlotte. This has to be a win. Agreed. This has to be a win. <laughs> um, Let's just not say any more and jinx it. Let's leave it at that. I, I, I know I'm going to, I can't, <laughs> I'm not, I, I am. Yes. I agree to that. I will not discuss this. Um, However, let me ask you, 0-4, are your playoff – have your, like, playoff chances dipped at all? I, I, I want to know because you had a pretty high prediction for this, this team this season. You predicted the playoffs for them. Has that been affected? Hmm. Uh, I think that they still can turn this around. My number, I would bring it down – but I do think they still are capable of reaching that. I think I had a 44 mark. Um, 40, 43. Right, yeah. Um, and and just barely sneaking in with a lot of other teams, uh, getting lower numbers than what was projected for them as well. I think they can still reach that mark. 
Um, but I'm a whole lot less confident in it. If I had to put a new prediction out there, it would, it would probably be closer to a 40, maybe lower. So to put you on the spot here, you, you predict that the, play, the Kings will, will miss the playoffs now. Oof, yes. All right. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. And I, I guess we'll leave the, we'll leave, you know, you're going to enjoy a discussion here with Lance Woods. He'll talk about Charlotte. We'll leave that to him. Hey guys, just want to give you a quick reminder that if you like what you're listening to, we'd really appreciate a quick rating and review of the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're getting this podcast. And if you want to follow us on Twitter We'd love to interact with you. We can take your questions, answer them on the podcast as well. That is at Kings underscore Pulse. We also got an Instagram, Kings underscore Pulse. And we are the official podcast of uh, Reddit r slash Kings. We got a sticky thread on there if you want to ask questions. So we really appreciate it. And and thank you very much for listening. The Kings Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The Kings are 0 and 4, and hey, well, we figured that uh, you guys out there, the listeners, might need a break from the misery, might need to get a smile put on that face. So uh, don't sound so depressed, guys. (laughs) (laughs) You hear him there. Uh, He is a major Kings fan and uh, great comedian. Kanye, when you need him, Jesus King, bring some joy around here. Oh my goodness! It ain't right, the so NFL. Oh, four. We still got three hundred games left. It's true, and you know, Game Four was a lot more promising than the other three. Yeah, I mean, they, it was a lot of bad, interesting calls down the stretch that didn't go the Kings' way. Uh, and then, you know, it just it it looks like you know you don't want to make excuses, but they look like a team playing under a new coach and a new system. Right. Yeah. You said bad, interesting calls. I think that's an important hyphenation. The, the one where Malik Beasley wrapped up Darren Fox there late in the game, that was insane, right? Yeah, that was really bad. When, uh, when Jokic was twerking on Buddy, that was really bad. He was trying to run down court and he just stopped and backed into him. And then when they did make the call for Buddy, it was on a screen that had nothing to do with the play. So they took three points off the board. And so, then on that same possession, Buddy gets called for offensive foul. Yeah, I totally agree with you. But listen, you can't act like we're that sad. I did see you on Twitter, a video of you just staring lifelessly into the camera, listening to some Dido. Uh, come on, don't, don't sit here and tell us that you're not upset with this start. <laughs> it was, no, that was that particular game. Like, how are you down 32 points? I, I, I didn't get it. And then, like, when you're just watching it, it just looked, it looked really lifeless. <laughs> it looked, like, really, like, what's going on? And honestly, the things that I do, a lot of the time is me just getting a pulse of how the fan base feels. So even more than how I might feel in the moment, I got to get a grasp on how the fan base feels, and I have to speak on that behalf. Or, in that case, not speak. Yeah, well, how did all that start? Um, because I that that's when I first uh, got to know Lance Woods was through these reaction videos. When did you decide to start doing that? There's there's two moments. Well, let's say let's say there's three moments. No, we'll say two. Let's make it simple. So when Demarcus got traded, I made a reaction video, and it went really crazy. Like to start the season. Was that two years ago when we had signed George Hill and Zach Randolph and Vince Carter? I did like a, a video about that. But then what what really happened last season, sixth or seventh game of the year when they beat Orlando, and I had a show in Oakland and I was 
Like I pulled up to the venue. I got to go on stage in 20 minutes. And then some of my spirit saying, you have to do this video. Like, cause I, I get ideas and things all the time. And, you know, I think all of us get ideas and sometimes we sit on them or procrastinate. And it was like something like, no, do not get out of this car until you do this video. So I did the video. Literally, I'm in the venue editing with my headphones in, like right before they called me on stage. I do the video, post it, go on stage. This video in particular, like Twitter was going crazy. And I was like, oh, okay. But learning from other videos I've done in the past, I said I have to be consistent and keep the momentum of this going. All of these Kings fans are excited. We're all excited. The city's excited. Why stop? So then the next game, they beat the Hawks. I did another video. Boom. And I'm doing this whole thing about, because the Kings Twitter had posted, it was right around Halloween. The Kings Twitter had posted a video or a, a meme that was saying, what's worse, Lakers or Candy Corn? Candy Corn didn't cheat us in O2. <laughs> I'll put that in the video. But I go to the barbershop, and they're playing the video during the Kings broadcast. So then after the after the Toronto game, I go do the video, no, the Milwaukee game. So I do the video and I just post it like normal. And 10 minutes later, I get an email from NBC Sports. Like, yo, would you would you be down to, to come like the pregame show? When did you first get started in comedy? And was it in the Sacramento area, your first couple shows? I actually started comedy in my church. Like my pastor's like very animated. I don't know if you ever heard a black preacher, but... Um, sometimes they get animated. I used to be imitating him at my house. And then my mom, who was over the committee who put together the programs for the church anniversaries, she was like, I'm going to get you to do that at the anniversary. And I said, no, you're not. I'm not getting in front of the church and doing this. That's ridiculous. But my mom signed me up. So I did that. And then, you know what I mean? Like everybody had a good time. My pastor was on the floor laughing. The whole church is in tears. But I still wasn't thinking I'm going to be a comedian. I was just like, oh, that was funny. And then, you know, it kept going from there. Anytime we had an event at my church, they would say, yo, would you do that thing again? You were just roasting <laughs> faster? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So then that turned into every time we had an event, can you host it? You think you could be the host? And then that turned into, yo, you think you can just want to just do some jokes? And then that turned into, at this time, my church was right on Art Punchline Comedy Club. was right across the street. So that turned into, let me go to the punchline and see if I can do it there. Okay. And then once I started doing that, that's when everything started to take off. So which which version of the Kings was the first one that you remember rooting for? I mean, I, re I, mean, I remember every version of the Kings. Like, but we were, like, really bad when I was young. I used to always want this – is, this is just a, a random uh, uh, memory I have. But, you know, Grandad Pierce say, comes down court, stops, pops. And I would always wonder what, what would he say if they made it? <laughs> <laughs> they would never make the shot. They'd be like, Tyus Edney comes down, stops, pops. No good. I'm like, what happens if he makes that shot? <laughs> I've, never, I've never heard that shot made. I've never heard stops, pops in, in our favor. But I remember, like, when we had the song, Walt Williams with the socks. We're with him. We're with St. Jean, take them higher. We're with him. We're with him. The Kings are on fire. <laughs> I got to Google this song, man. They used to play this song before every game on the TV broadcast. And that's just, you know what I mean? I remember, like, Walt Williams and Wayman Tisdale and Lionel Simmons and Dwayne Coswell. Back to Jim Les and like, and then it was a, the, the next kind of wave of like, I remember really liking Ala Abdul Nabi. Always felt like he, like I was like, yo, this dude was good. Like, why, why ain't he doing more? Because I thought I just always thought he was really good. I remember like one thing I remember about the Kings because I was also just like any other kid. I love Michael Jordan. Mike would never have those breakout games against the Kings. Is that because he didn't need to? <laughs> I mean, we're not, you know, we don't we need to talk about why it never happened. We're just going to say it never happened. But also, you know, Mitch Richmond, very solid defender. And I think, I think Mike has even said that publicly. Like, I mean, Mike was still getting 31, but he wasn't getting the 53s. 
Well, speaking of exciting players, what did you think about Rashawn Holmes last night? I know the crowd was pretty hyped. Uh, those MVP chants were rolling in. What did you What did you think about that? <laughs> I told my boys um, when they signed Rashawn Holmes that he was going to be an instant fan favorite, like instantly, because I know how he plays. It's like he he's a player that can play on any team. There's not a team in the history of basketball who's not going to find management. Because all he's going to do is play with effort and finish strong around the basket, rebound, block shots. Like, every coach is going to love that. If Rashawn Holmes plays bad, it'll never be because of a lack of effort. You can't not root for that. And right. then he finishes strong. Yeah, he finishes very strong. I feel like he's going to break the backboard on a dunk at some point this season. Man, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he's going to break something. Something on somebody, they keep jumping because then he'll people will learn to stop jumping and just we got to give up them two points. We're not gonna block that. What do you think about some of the effort from some of the other guys throughout? I feel like that's been a little bit of an issue. And those third quarters, what needs to happen in those third quarters? They got to do something different at halftime. Drink some different water. What's going on? I don't think we should have a halftime in Kings basketball. Like I think we need to go to commission and say, Nah, we we fine. Let's let us play through, man. Something, whatever's going on in that break. We are right. outside of the Utah game. The Kings have looked fine outside of some second halves. You know, they moved the ball and so on and so forth. But then it's just something, something's happening in the third quarter. It's, it's like the reverse of the Warriors third quarter when they was having the past two years. Phoenix kind of embarrassed them, but then they went on to beat the Clippers. Like that team is just different this year. Uh, again, apologies to all our Suns listeners. We apparently <laughs> have those. And uh, they hate me. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you're – The center you, was on steroids. <laughs> what? Who said that? <laughs> yeah. What, I mean, how many of our players were hurt by, by their, uh, their gentlemen down there? That was a reckless accusation proven by facts and suspension. Going back, to, going back to what you had said earlier, you said that, you know, you like to kind of value the eye test above numbers that both matter. But I think you're right. You know, numbers don't lie, but they also don't tell the whole story. Um, you got to use your eyes. you got to see what's going on. That's going to tell you more than numbers, especially early in the season. So just give us, you know, final question here. Just what are you seeing from this team? What's not working? Uh, the main thing is uh, basketball in the third quarter. <laughs> 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 Something about basketball in the third just isn't working for us. No, I mean it's it's a the clearly they're turning the ball over too much. That's very clear. Yeah. When when you have a, a young team like this, there's not a quote unquote stand out, move out of my way, give me the ball person. Like, you know, Fox, you know, Fox is dynamic. But you know what I like about Fox is um he doesn't get enough credit for how under control he is to be as athletic as he is. You you can't think of another person with his skill set with that speed who's always under control. And, you know, if you had a knock on De'Aaron Fox, you would say you want him to be more aggressive, which is very rare for someone with that skill set. But with with the team – you have a lot of turnovers. Some of it is being unsure about where to go with the ball. Um, but another part is when things aren't going well, then just the natural reaction is for people to say, I, I'll fix it. And then when you get in that mindset, that's where a lot more turnovers come from. Like there's a such thing as you just have to just kind of trust your process and play through it. Like, I don't care about – if Buddy is 0 for 7 from 3, like, he'll, he'll, he'll make shots. Yeah. Like, that's, that's just – that's process. Like, as a shooter, you just keep shooting. The problem will be if you're 0 for 7 and instead of just keep running offense when you get a look, shoot it. Now when you get a look, you don't shoot it. You pump fake and now you put the ball on the ground. You try to create something different and now you turn the ball over. Just naturally as an athlete, you know, you always feel like you can do more. If we down, I got to do more. I got to do more. And sometimes the doing more is just 
staying steady and consistent. Because the other team is going to start to miss shots too. It's basketball. The, like, so the thing about those numbers is the numbers will always even out. Like, like you'll watch a team and you'll say, man, they were on fire. And then you look and they shot 48%. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it is just a, a period of time. Everything will balance out. The numbers will always balance themselves out. You know, what you have to do is just stay consistent and, and stay on the course. But if you turn the ball over 27 times, none of that stuff matters. Right, yeah, and I think Buddy and Bogey were a little guilty last game of trying to do a little bit too much. But uh, last thing I want to throw your way, Lance, is are the Kings going to win this game, get their first win against Charlotte, who we have called the worst team in the league multiple times, and has your hopes and like expectations for this year changed after seeing these first four games? Um, to answer your first question, uh, yes, they absolutely going to be Charlotte, unless Michael Jordan comes out of the owner booth and play. <laughs> Prime Mike, not the cigar smoking uh, tequila red, Mike, yellow eye. Yeah, <laughs> not fluffy Mike. Right. Well, even and, if he did, he could only drop like thirty, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, we coming back with Mitch. So there's that. And now my expectations ain't changed. It's four games. Like, if you, if you would have told me at some point in the season the Kings would have a four-game losing streak, I wouldn't care at what point of the season it was. Fair enough. I mean, fair enough. Uh, a little bit of perspective there for our listeners. It's only four games. And, uh, yeah, you heard it here. Lance calling the win tonight uh, against Charlotte. So, uh you're going to be the one that gets oh, all these yeah. angry DMs. Uh, you're going to get all these angry DMs <laughs> from a bad franchise. Uh, sorry for saying bad. I'm going to get more DMs. But oh, come at Charlotte, us. All our Charlotte Come at us, Charlotte fans. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. There are no Charlotte Hornets fans. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. They're all North Carolina fans. Yeah. Don't worry. Those DMs aren't coming. <laughs> You know, a, you know what a Charlotte Hornets fan is? They say, I like the Warriors because Steph Curry's from Charlotte. So that, that's the same, right? Yeah, that, that's all they got going for them. But that's all we got for you, Lance. We want to give you a chance at the end here. Get anything else you want out there, anything else, final things you want to touch on the Kings, anything like that. I just want to make sure y'all follow me on ChristianMingle.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's at Sir Lance. Fine God's match for you, baby. <laughs> thanks so much for joining us <laughs> thank you my social media at follow me sir lance wood at sir lance wood twitter instagram all that good stuff great yeah thanks lance for coming on and thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of the king's pulse podcast we'll hear from us again in the next couple days oh yeah what he said